thank you all for being here. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking about baptism today, if you know what that thing is. This, if you've seen anybody baptized, or it's done lots of different ways. So I'm going to give you a little bit of an explanation about that whole thing. Um, if you were with us last Sunday, we celebrated communion. You remember that? And when you hear here last Sunday, they celebrated communion. Um, we don't observe a whole lot of rituals or ceremony type things. God bless you here at Hope Community Church. But communion's one of them. And um, when we looked at this thing of communion, we realized that we, uh, we find the roots of this tradition, the roots of this ritual, back to the early church. We can see that the very first church in Jerusalem, do you remember any of this? They celebrated this thing of breaking bread. They celebrated this thing of the Lord's Supper. And really, when we looked at that, we realized that this tradition goes back even further, goes back beyond, or goes even, even earlier into history, um, this tradition of celebrating the Lord's Supper, into the a Jewish custom of celebrating Passover. And so we've got the roots all the way back there. And so as we take a look at baptism today, we'll see that... Uh, this ritual that we observe nowadays as Christians, this ritual that we observe as churches, um, it does have its history back to the first church in Jerusalem and also goes back beyond that into um, a tradition that the Israelites observed. Um, today, um, Alana is here. Alana is our newborn girl. Is she here? She's there? You can clap for Alana. She's only two weeks old, so she doesn't know you're clapping for her, but she's, she's here today. We just had our, our third and final and final child, three's enough. I mean, all of you have more than three. I don't know what you're thinking, but uh, no, three's, three's, <laughs> three's good for our family. So um, Alana was born two weeks. It's her, it's her two-week birthday. Is that a thing to celebrate? Yeah, she's two weeks old today. And you all know that, um, you know, those of you who are parents, when you have a child, whether it's your first child or your fifth child or your sixth child or whatever, a child changes your life. A child changes everything. Your family dynamics different, and then, you know, if it's your first child, you become like a whole new thing, and, and it's just, it changes everything. And there's these experiences that we go through in life that just change everything, like the birth of a child, or like getting married. We've got a couple right here. They're getting married next Sunday, okay? A week from today, they're getting married. I know, right? Kelby and Lauren, not to name any names. There they are. That's going to change. That changes. It changes everything. It just changes your life in wonderful, fantastic, fabulous ways. It changes everything. And so if you go through life long enough, as you age, as you mature, as you get older, you experience these events, these life-altering, life-changing events. And a lot of them are positive, and a lot of them are wonderful, and a lot of them are fantastic. But some of these life-changing events aren't so positive and aren't so fantastic. You know, when you go through something difficult, a difficult illness, or you, you know, the loss of a loved one, something like that happens, and it just changes your life for, forever, and you reach that point where you realize, okay, nothing's ever going to be the same now. And so there are these things that you go through in life, these big, dramatic, life-changing experiences that we go through as, as we age in, in this world. Um, the scripture passage that was read for us today from the book of Acts chapter 2 uh, we learn about a group of people who had an experience like this. They came to a realization that changed everything. It changed their lives. It was such a dramatic thing that they discovered, such a dramatic thing that they realized that after they came to this realization, nothing was ever going to be the same for them. This thing that they discovered changed them forever. Let's take a look at this passage, and let me give you a little bit of context. Uh, we've been spending a lot of time in Acts chapter 2 
uh, lately or referencing Acts chapter 2. Maybe you've realized that. Um, and we're going to keep doing that throughout our, our life together as a church. Um, in Acts chapter 2, you read about how the very first church came to be, how it came into existence. And so um, we really try to model ourselves. Hope Community Church is, is modeled after uh, this church, the very first church in Jerusalem. And so let me give you some context about what happened. Um, here, at this point in history, Jesus has been crucified. He rose from the dead. He appeared to his followers. He told them, wait for me. I'm going to, wait, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And so this Holy Spirit came to the disciples. They were able to preach this message um, to a group of people who were assembled for, a, um, for Pentecost, for a harvest celebration. And so there were so many people who were gathered in Jerusalem. This is less than two months. Two months prior to this point, um, Jesus was crucified. So we had all these people, all these Israelites, all these Jews, they returned to Jerusalem to celebrate this, this Passover, and this weird, strange, wonderful, miraculous thing happens where the Holy Spirit speaks through the disciples, and all these different people who spoke all these different languages were able to hear their own language through the through disciples. And what Peter preaches on this day, it's his very first sermon, I guess you could say, what he preaches on is just this, the message of what Jesus has done for us. And he explains to this group of Jewish people, this group of Israelites, he says to them, hey, you remember just less than two months ago that Jesus that you all had crucified? You guys remember that? You were all here. You remember that? And you shouted, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Well, guess what? That was the Son of God. That was the Savior that we had been waiting for. And so something happened here, and it was divine. It wasn't because of Peter's amazing words. It wasn't because Peter was an amazing speaker. It was because God himself was speaking through Peter, and there's a strange thing that happened. And you read this verse. What does it say? That, that they were cut to the hearts, or in some translations say that they were pierced to the hearts. They heard the words flowing out of Peter's mouth. They realized the truth of these words, and they were pierced to the hearts because they realized, whoa, here we are. The nation of Israel, the people of God, the Jewish people, we've been waiting for a Savior, we've been waiting for a Messiah, and He came to us, and we had Him crucified. Yikes! And like I said, it wasn't because Peter was a great speaker, it was because God was at work through this message, and the people realized the truth of what Peter is saying. Now, can you put, I know like we're all adults and we don't have, well, our kids are with us today. Kids have imaginations, but we adults, we kind of grow out of that. But can you try to put yourself in that place? Imagine you were one of these Jewish people and you heard about this Jesus and you thought, oh, this guy's a fraud. What is he trying to do? He's stirring up trouble. And you show up at this big gathering. What's going on? Oh, we're going to have this guy crucified. Good. Crucify him, crucify him. And then less than two months later, you realize you just shouted, crucify him, crucify him to the Son of God. Can you imagine that? Can you put yourself in that position? Like, well, wait a minute. I just had my Savior that I've been waiting for, my Messiah that I've been waiting for, put to death. Can you imagine how they felt? This was not initially, initially. <laughs> they did not receive this as good news initially. I mean, can you, can you put yourself in that place? Like, oh my goodness, I've just done this thing. There's no hope for me. What is God going to do to me now? <laughs> I just wanted to have, him, have his son crucified. What is God going to do to me? And so they were pierced to their hearts, and they said to Peter, what are we going to do? What should we do? It says that there, and uh, what verse is that? In verse 37, when people heard this, they were cut to their hearts, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, here's what Peter says, okay? He doesn't say, hey, listen, <laughs> too late, no hope for you. Here's what Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. 
in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the forgiveness. For the forgiveness. Can you really be forgiven? For, for, was God going to forgive you for killing his son? Yes, he is. For the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Two words. Repent. Baptized. Repent and baptized. Now, every once in a while, I talk to you about this repentance thing. We talked about it over the summer. We talk about it here and there. This repentance thing, this is such a, an important part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to be a Christian. But we struggle a bit trying to understand what this, what this word means. Some people hear that word repentance, and they think it means being sorry. Being sorry. You know, I'm sorry. I did something bad. That's, that's built into it. That's, but that's like, I mean, that's, that's hardly, hardly what repentance is. Some people take the look at, a look at that word and they go back and say, well, what did it mean in Greek? Well, it means like a change. And so some people say that repentance is a change of heart or a change of mind. You're changing. You were in this direction and now you're going to turn in that direction. That's great. That's a great way to think about repentance. That's a helpful way to think about repentance. But over the course of this week, I was struggling with this term because I feel like every definition that we come up with fails to capture what this really means to repent. And it occurred to me that maybe perhaps the best way to talk about repentance is that repentance is death. Repentance is dying to self and being reborn. Death and rebirth. That's repentance. Death and rebirth. Jesus had a conversation with a man named Nicodemus in, in John chapter 3. And that's where, you know, if you're familiar with the term born again, that's where that term comes from. I think Peter used that term all, once in one of his letters, born again. And they were having a conversation about what's required to enter the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, you need to be born a second time. You need to be born again. And so Jesus only used that term one time in recorded scripture. But that concept, that idea is all throughout, all throughout the New Testament. This idea of laying down your life. And when you come face to face with Jesus and when you realize what God has done through us through Jesus Christ, you take your whole life, you take all that you are, and you just lay it before some kind of altar and let God take it away. Submission. What did Paul say? He said, I'm no longer me. That's what Paul said. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I'm done. And that's a really tough concept to describe. In fact, I think it was just talking to Lily about this earlier this week. We're talking about Mary and Joseph. I mean, here we are in the Christmas season. A perfect example of, of a couple who died and were reborn. Here we had a couple, and they were engaged and looking forward to being married and had all these plans, whatever their plans were. I don't know what their plans were. We were planning to, oh, I'm going to set up shop. I'm going to have this carpenter business, and I'm going to teach my boys, and this is what it's And we're going to save up a little bit, a bit of money, and we're going to do all right for ourselves. They had this plan. And then God comes along and wrecks that plan in a wonderful, fantastic way. Takes that away. They had to be willing to give up that life that they had planned for themselves. And that's what Peter, in that word repent, that's you got to die. Whatever you were, whatever you believed, whatever your agenda was, whatever you thought life was about, you've got to kill that off and be born again. Death and rebirth. You're something new now. Where is it with 2 Corinthians 5.17? Is that it? There, um, you know, the, the old is gone, the new is come. This idea of you're something, when you become a follower of Jesus, you're not, you're not the same thing. You become something new. Repent, that one word, a lot packed into that one word. So it says, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. So repentance is the thing that happens internally. Repentance is the decision you make to lay down your life, to lay down your plans, and pursue something different. Baptism is 
is the outward ceremony. It's the outward thing, that, the outward display. And baptism, as I mentioned earlier, has its roots back in Jewish tradition, in the Israelites' tradition. And it's just a ceremony. Let me say that up front. It's a ceremony. It's a ritual. It's kind of like we don't, you know, as a culture, we don't observe a lot of rituals nowadays, but, but a wedding is one of them. We, have, we go to these wedding ceremonies. We see this ritual unfold. And so when a couple gets married, they stand somewhere before a pastor or something like that, and they make this commitment to one another. Now, does that make the couple any more in love? Does that really make them any more devoted to one another? Not really. It doesn't change their hearts. They're not more in love. They've already made this decision in their hearts. They've already decided they're going to be together. But still, they go through this ceremony in front of God and all the witnesses. In fact, when I do weddings, that's part of what I say. You're here before God and this company of witnesses to make this pledge to one another. It's the outward thing that they do to show everybody, hey, we're serious. We're making these vows. We're committed to each other. So it's an outward sign of what's already happened internally. So baptism is similar, similar to that. It's an outward ceremony that shows what you've already done internally. And so we find the traditions of this, uh, the, the, the history of this tradition back in the Jewish culture. Now, back even before Jesus came into the earth, um, if somebody wanted to become an Israel, a Jew, uh, let's say you had uh, you know, a Roman soldier who was there and he's working at some outpost in Jerusalem and he's learning about the God of the Jews and he's contemplating and he's thinking about, well, this, this really seems like the real deal. I think I, want to become, I think I want to become a Jew. I know I'm not like an Israelite by my birthright, but I want to align myself with the message of Judaism. I want to align myself with the God of the Jews. Well, you could do that. You could become a convert to Judaism, and that would require several steps, and one of those steps was a ceremonial washing, a ceremonial washing. And so if you were that Roman soldier and you went through all this, you know, you'd be coached by somebody, you'd have a rabbi or a Pharisee or someone who was trained in the law to, to walk you through this process. And part of that process was this ceremonial washing. And in that ceremonial washing, what were you doing is you're washing off your old self and becoming something new. I no longer believe in the Roman gods. I'm no longer just a student of, of Stoicism and philosophy and all that. I'm washing all that off, and now I'm becoming something new. I'm aligning myself with the God of Abraham, with the God of the Jews. I'm something new now. And so this thing of baptism, which literally just means being dipped or being washed, it was a custom, a ceremonial washing. Then comes along this guy named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist takes this previously established ritual, this washing ceremony, and he puts a new twist on it. And he does something that you really weren't supposed to do. It was like, what is this guy John doing? Who does he think he is baptizing people? This guy John shows up like out of nowhere, and he says to people, hey, he says to the Israelites, he talks to the Jewish people, says, hey, God wants to forgive you. God loves you. He brings them a brand new message, a message that so many of the Israelites weren't used to hearing. So many of the Jewish people were so just disenfranchised from their religion. They thought it's just going through all these motions and I got to do all these different things to be loved by God and served by God and all this. And John preaches this new message. He says, no, 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 no. It's not about jumping through hoops. It's not about that. It's about repentance. There's that word again. That's what John preaches. Repentance. Change who you are. Truly, truly, truly desire to follow God. Stop your sinning. Just stop it. Repent and be baptized. So John preached this new message, and it made sense to the people. They said, you know what? Yeah, that would make sense. God should care about my heart. God should care about what I'm actually doing in life and, and what I, that I want to serve him. 
And so, so many people who, who like the Jewish leaders, they, they didn't want anything to do with these sinners. But so many of these sinners were like, yes, I want to be a part of this. So what John is preaching, I want to be loved by this God that John is telling us about. This makes sense. And so they were baptized by John the Baptist, or sometimes we call him John the Baptizer. And so they were baptized and that was their way of washing off their old selves. I'm no longer going to give in to sin. I'm no longer going to live my life according to my plans. Now I'm going to live according to God's plans and within his boundaries. I'm aligning myself with the message of John in this washing ceremony. Jesus himself was washed by John in this ceremony. If you're, if, if you're familiar at all with, with how that event unfolds, basically Jesus appears before John and John says, no, <laughs> I can't baptize you. Here I am talking about repentance. You don't have anything to repent of. You're perfect. You've committed no sins. You're the son of God. And Jesus says, do this anyway. Let's fulfill all righteousness. Do this anyway. And so when Jesus was baptized, he didn't have any sins to repent of, but he was aligning himself with John's message, a message of repentance for forgiveness of sins. Repentance for forgiveness of sins. Jesus aligned himself with the mission of John. He also identified with all the sinners who were there. He stood in that line right with them, <laughs> right there with them. And he aligned himself with this message of repentance for forgiveness of sins. And so, back up to our scripture passage, here we are. And all these people, thousands of people were there, pierced to their hearts, cut to their hearts, saying, what is God going to do to us? We had his son killed. What's going to happen? And Peter gives them hope. He gives them good news. You can be forgiven. You can be forgiven. Now take a look at your scripture passage there. Nobody raised their hand and said, hey, Peter, um, I hear what you're saying about this whole repent and baptize thing. I hear what you're saying about a whole like die to self and all that. But can't we just like, how about we just say a sinner's prayer and they'll go about our business? Can we do that, Peter? Can I just say some kind of prayer, Jesus, I accept you as my savior, and then just go back to my normal life? Is that an option, Peter? No, <laughs> that's not an option. You don't see that anywhere in there. Now, of course, over the years, and I was having a little bit of fun with you, over the years and over the centuries, so many of us followers of Jesus, we struggle with the tough things, we struggle with the challenging things, and we, we kind of like water down these big things and make them something much smaller. It's like, well, that I can handle. I mean, giving up my life, turning over my life, laying down my plans before the Lord's feet, submitting myself to his will, that's big. Can I just say a sinner's prayer? Is that an option? No, not really. Not really. Now, I'm not trying to down, you know, if you've gone through something where you said a prayer to Jesus, that's, that's important, but it can't stop there. It can't stop there. It needs to continue on from there. That's just one step in a long road of following Jesus. It can't stop there. And so they go through this. If you read Acts chapter 2, they go through this process and thousands of people do this thing where they have this hard experience and they realize, I've got to stop Believe in what I used to believe. I've got to stop putting my faith in myself and my own ability to save myself. And I've got to put my trust in Jesus. They realized this. They went through this ceremonial washing. And boom, you've got the first church. That's how it happened. As I mentioned, next Sunday, you will have an opportunity to be baptized. This is the third time in the, in the history of our church where we've had baptism Sundays. And by the way, you don't have to wait for a baptism Sunday to be baptized. You know, it can happen at any point, really. Just let, let me know, and we can make that happen. But we're going to do this thing. And, and the reason that we do baptisms, it's the same reason as Peter did these baptisms back then. The same reason. 
It's to give an opportunity to stand before God and the body of believers and say, I have made this decision to follow Jesus. I don't fully understand what that is, but I've decided I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to lay down my life and follow him. So there are a lot of questions that come up about baptisms. One of the big ones is like babies and baptism. Can babies be baptized? And what's the whole story there? Because, you know, in my church growing up, babies were baptized. And is that like legit? What happens there? Well, well, here's the thing. If you're going to look at what the Bible says about baptism, it seems like you have to be old enough to make a decision for yourself in order to be baptized, okay? Now, I'm not trying to like criticize people who had babies, you know, baptized and all that. It can be a wonderful thing, but it's not really a baptism. It's more of a dedication, right? And so sometimes parents, you know, they have a desire to see their kids raised in the faith, and they go through this ritual, and that's great. But that's more about the parents than it is about the child, right? You know, like I said, Alana's two weeks old. She's not going to raise her hand and say, you know what? I've really thought about Jesus, and I accept that he's my Savior, and I'm going to live for him. She can't do that. She's two. So she's not going to be baptized next week. Now, if you've got little ones, and as a parent, if you want to dedicate them, we can do that. That's fantastic. We've done that once in the life of our church. We have one child dedicated. Holly and I, we've had all of our kids dedicated. We just do it in, you know, with family and friends at our house. Um, and so we've done that on their, their kid's first birthday. So we'll do that with Alana. But that's, that's a separate thing. This baptism, this is for those of you who have made that decision and who are old enough to understand what that means. There's no magic age. Oh, you've got to be at least six. You've got to be at least ten. No, 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 no. Parents... That's for you to sort through with your children. In fact, Holly and I, we've had conversations about Lily. She's almost six. Is she ready? We're not sure. We're going to keep talking about it over the course of this week to figure that out. And so that's one of the questions we get about baptism, like age and how does that work out. Another thing about baptism, issue that comes up is sometimes people feel like they missed their window to be baptized. It's like, man, I've been following Jesus for like 15 years and I was never baptized, so I guess I'm too late. No, 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 no. That's not a thing. <laughs> if you've never gone through this, you can go through it. Some people feel like, well, I'm already like a leader in this church, and I've never been baptized, and I kind of feel embarrassed. I mean, my name's on there. I'm one of the board members. I'm going to be baptized in front of people. They're going to think, why would you lead in this church in the first place? No, 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 no. That's not an issue. <laughs> Our first summer together as a church, I was baptized. That had to happen because I'd never been baptized as an adult. I was baptized as a five-year-old, and I kind of understood things then, but I was never baptized as an adult. So I was like, you know what? There's no shame in the fact that I never did that. I'm going to do it now. And so I was baptized that first summer together as a church. And so, again, you've got that opportunity. So the question that you want to ask yourself isn't, hmm, should I be baptized? Don't ask yourself that question. Ask yourself, why shouldn't you be baptized? Is there any reason why you shouldn't get baptized next week? There are a few, or are there are at least a couple. If, if you've already been baptized as an adult or as you, know, you were old enough to make the decision for yourself, if you've already gone through this ceremony, then you don't have to go through it again. That's one reason why you, know, you can opt out of being baptized next week. Let me give you another reason why. If you're not sure about Jesus, if you're like seeking or if you're wondering or you're pondering, it's like, I don't know, I'm learning, I'm still learning more about you. If you're not there yet, then don't get baptized. There's no reason to rush it. But if you are of sound mind and if you've considered these things and if you want to accept Jesus as your Savior, if you've already done this thing of accepting Jesus as your Savior, then you should come on up next Sunday and be baptized. Now, there's some other questions about baptism, like, well, how do you do it? You know, there's different methods of being baptized. Um, full submersion, that's where you either go to a pool or a lake, or they set up a tub somewhere, and you just get completely dunked in the water, and then you come back out. That's great. Um, that's probably the most 
symbolically relevant way to be baptized because you're fully submerged and there's that minute where you, you know, not minute, <laughs> that brief moment, <laughs> there's that minute where I hold you under. Are you sure? Okay. There's that brief moment, though, where you can't breathe underwater and you're dying to self and then you come back out. And so to go through that full, to be fully submerged, that is very symbolic of what you're going through. Practically, we don't really have the ability to do that. And so what we'll do here is we take a little thing of water and we'll just pour some water on the back of your head. And so it's not as showy, um, but again, it's about what's going on in your heart, okay? To go back to the comparison between a wedding, you know, there are so many different ways that you could do a wedding with a big ceremony and there's candles and there's communion and there's songs and there's, it's just it's a big, big event. But a big, big ceremony doesn't mean that the couple is any more in love, right? Or you could have a really tiny ceremony with just your friends there and just close people there, but it's still just as meaningful, okay? And so when it comes to baptism, there are all these different ways to do it for practical reasons. We take a little bit of water, give a little bit of a dip back there, and you go through this process. If you're thinking about being baptized, if you're considering this, I want to give you an idea of what it's like. First off, I want to let you know that there is a sign-up sheet on that back table back there. If you'd like to be baptized, um, sign up in advance is great. You don't have to, but if you've already decided you want to go through this, please sign up in the back. Well, what you'll do is you'll come up here. We'll set up the stage a little bit differently. You will be able to say a few words if you so desire. If you want to tell people a little bit about your story, if you want to explain why you're being baptized, you can do that. If you choose not to do that, that's okay because we understand that you, by you standing up here and going through this ceremony, you're speaking volumes to us. Just by going through that ceremony, you're telling us that you have received Jesus as your Savior and you desire to follow him and live within his boundaries. That's what you're telling us. Just Without saying a word, that's what you're telling us. But you'll have that option next Sunday. And so I'll leave you with that to consider. You know, some people feel like, well, do I really need to be, do I really need to be baptized in order to be saved? Well, no, it's not about that. It's not about that. You know, and there's been a lot of, like, unscrupulous things that have happened in church history where, you know, there have been church leaders and pastors and priests that have kind of led parents to believe, you've got to get this kid dipped in water or they're not going to go to heaven. No, no, it's not about that. God's not petty about that. And when Jesus was dying on the cross, there was a thief there, or a criminal that was being crucified with him. Not a thief, something worse than that. And while they were dying together, this criminal realized this really is the Son of God and asked for forgiveness. He didn't have time to get baptized. God's not going to say, oh, technically you didn't go through the water ceremony, so you can't come. No, it's not going to work that way. It's not about that. But the reason to be baptized is because Jesus commanded it. He doesn't tell us to go through a lot of ceremonies and a lot of rituals, but this is one that he does command. He commanded us to observe communion, so we do that. And he's commanded us to be baptized. So if you haven't, I mean, listen to Jesus. He said do it. He said do it. And so next Sunday, if you choose to be baptized, you know, it's great to invite some friends, invite some family members. Hey, would you come with me? This is this thing that's going to happen at our church, and I would like you to see it. I'd like you to be a part of it. It's a great opportunity to invite your friends, family members, to see what you're going through. It's an opportunity for you to share with them about what's going on in your life and why you went through this ceremony. And so what we'll do next Sunday when you come in is I'll give a brief recap of what baptism is all about, and then you'll have that opportunity to be baptized. And you see what happens. You had all these people in the book of Acts, all these people who made this decision and they were able to witness it among themselves and celebrate it. Look at all of us now. Look at us. We're not what we used to be. We're something new. We're the church. And so we can experience that very same type of celebration next Sunday as we come together to share 
in the baptism ceremony. I'll be praying for you throughout the course of the week if you're thinking about it. If you already know you want to be baptized, you can sign up today. If you have more questions, please contact me, and we're going to enjoy celebrating this very special event next Sunday. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we are truly thankful for what you've done for us. There's, it, there's so much, Lord. There's so much to comprehend. And you know how we're limited, Jesus. We're just human beings. We can't take it all in. But we know that you made a great sacrifice for us. We know that you gave up your life on the cross for us, for our sins. Lord Jesus, we thank you for doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. We thank you for paying our debt on our behalf. Lord Jesus, I pray for for this congregation, for all those who are gathered here today, that you would let us know if we are to go through this ceremony. Let us know if it's time for us to be baptized. Father God, we pray a blessing over next Sunday. We trust that uh, it will be a time that brings great joy among ourselves and great joy in heaven. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.